Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me, Mr. Doug Christie. Doug, you wear so many hats, I don't even know what to call you anymore. Former Sacramento Kings, Doug Christie. How about that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to call myself either, man. I'm working on it. You are working on it. So let's talk about that. Um, we've got a season starting up. I think you and I are both really excited. We're going to have this beautiful new set right at the Golden One Center. Uh, Jim Cozumore is joining us. But you also, you just joined Grant Napier on his radio program. Now you're there. Uh, how are you taking in all of these jobs at one time? And, and are you surviving? Are you sleeping? Um, I am surviving and I am sleeping. Uh, you know, it, late nights, a lot of the DVR is the best thing that's ever happened in the world, man, because I'm able to tape all the different stuff, watch it. Uh, I, I watch football. I've watched it my, my whole life. The same with basketball. Uh, and But to really dig in, uh, well, I should say baseball and football. But uh, basketball, I know backwards and forwards. I got a PhD, you know. But yeah. when I talk about baseball and football, I try to own what I don't know. I study up. I, I defer to Grant all the time because that man, he, you know what? He has no notes in front of him when he does that show. He just, it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen him. He just talks and talks and talks. You know, I think when you've done it long enough, you should at least have an idea. I mean, he's got guests coming on, so he's got to have some sort of prep for that. Um, but overall, you know, he is a sports junkie. And I think to, to do that job, you either are a sports junkie or you become one very quickly. Um, I was raised on baseball, so I know baseball. And I've played I've played fantasy football, which Grant hates. Uh, I've played yeah. fantasy football for 26 years. I started when I was I was a young man playing fantasy when we would have what? to go and uh, pull out the the newspaper on Monday morning and transcribe the points uh, from the the box score and the newspaper. So yeah, oh man, <laughs> you, you you can learn, you can pick it up, and, and it's just going to take time. But uh, how do you feel that show is going so far? Do you do you love it? Yeah, I actually do. I, I really enjoy uh, sitting with Grant. I mean, Grant and I have had a great relationship ever since I got here. Actually, when I was with the Kings, and I believe it's going to be Matt Barnes that's going to be joining Grant and I this year, I did that every week. I would tune in with him, and we would talk about the Kings and what was going on. So uh, I'm having a really good time, man. It's a it's a great education. Uh, I love talking sports. I, I know my son's probably a little bit happy because now I don't have to run his ear off with all the sports, but it's really, really been fun, and, and Grant has been absolutely awesome taking me in. Okay, so let's talk about this King season. I know the one thing I know is that you were there early in training camp, and you were actually getting to see the behind the scenes. Uh, I know uh, Brad Miller's been here a lot. Bobby Jackson's been there. Uh, you guys hanging out with Vlade and, and Peja and watching the action. What have you seen? Even Mike Bibby was in town at one point, who looks like baby Hercules. But... Uh, <laughs> What have you seen early on from this team, sort of the rookies and your early impressions just from behind the scenes? Well, you know, the the first thing that I noticed when I walked in is the organization. I, I you know, I hadn't been at any other Kings practices, so it's hard for me to say how organized they were. But just looking at Jaeger and uh, Elston and their staff, I, I was really impressed. I just went, wow, okay. And one thing that I noticed out of Coach Jaeger is he was teaching. I mean, he had the floor and he was going through things and talking through things and they would run through it. And then all of a sudden they would stop. He would teach again. And in my opinion, that is how you do it. That is how basketball 
is done because you're dealing with, yeah, you got some veterans and, and some young guys and, and different things, but until they understand, because there's no reason to kind of tell a guy and think that he understands it and then bark at him because he doesn't get it because you didn't really teach him how to do it. And it looks like he is totally taking the time to teach it. Uh, I love what I've seen him on the defensive end. The first thing that jumped out me in, uh, out at me in the first regular se- uh, preseason game that I went to the other night at the beautiful Golden One Center was the guards or, or wing players, because it wasn't only the two guards, it was wing players as well. They were picking up in the backcourt, and I just went, whoa, I like that, because that is going to give you time to uh, take time off the shot clock. It's going to disrupt the other team's offense. From time to time, you will get steals when guys fumble the ball or don't make a good pass. And if the guy at, at the front of the defense is up, that means everyone else is probably on their man because you're not going to want to pass to go from the backcourt to the front court, so or front court to the backcourt. It is, man, I was just really impressed overall with the energy and everything that I've seen uh, from the time that I've been there so far, Ham. How how excited are you to see Elston back there? Because I know you were there with Elston, you know, under Rick Adelman, and he's a great guy. That's one thing I've known. I mean, I didn't know him when he was here, but every time he comes through, he hugs every media member. Uh, it's he, He's such a gracious man with his time, and uh, what has that been like to have Elston back in town? Man, I absolutely love E.T. He was he was one of my favorites, man, because every morning, uh, the one thing that I knew when I walked in, whether we won or lost, and we won quite often, but that, you know, yeah. <laughs> he was going to be the same guy. And he would help me whenever I needed help. He not only instructed me, but then he asked me for my opinion, which I thought was fantastic. And I would watch him implement my opinion sometimes. And it was just such a, I mean, not only is he a good dude, he's a hell of an instructor, a fantastic family. Uh, man, I, I love ET. I'm so happy that he's back here because I know from not only just coaching, but from the defensive side of the ball and, and all of that, they are going to get some good instruction. And you're going to get a guy who who's totally level-headed, who's going to come in. He's not only going to give you his piece, but he's going to take your piece as well because I think that's an important part because the players are on the court and they see it from a different vantage point. And E.T. is open to, to filling that out. So happy to see E.T. back. You know, Doug, you're a guy who came into the league highly touted. You had some struggles early in your career, and and then you sort of rebuilt yourself. We've talked about this before on the podcast. But Mm -hmm. the Kings this offseason, they went out and got a whole group of guys that either have had struggles or struggled to get into the league, guys like Tolliver, Garrett Temple, Matt Barnes, who either they're second-round picks, they spent time in the D-League, they spent time in the CBA or or playing in other places. Um, You've felt that, that, you know, having to put in the extra time, the extra work and sort of reinvent yourself multiple times. How much does that help when you're, you walk into a locker room with three rookies and now you can try to impart some of that sort of your, your journey to being who you are at that time? How, how important is that to bring to the locker room? You know, Ham, that journey is absolutely, it's it's imperative for guys to learn because regardless if you are a star player, we've seen star players get traded, we've seen like KD moves, you, you're going to move around in the NBA usually. So you, you need to understand, but even more than the journey, because initially they don't know each other. So how do you know, how do you get to know each other? And how you get to know each other is with your eyeballs. And those type of guys, Garrett Temple, Anthony Tolliver, Matt Barnes, Aflalo, all those type of guys they work hard man that's how they've gotten their position so when I'm looking at Anthony Tolliver and uh Scal LeBissier they're shooting after practice and and they are going after it and they're competing and the reason is because Scal probably doesn't know not that he doesn't know how to do that but he's never done it with a guy like Anthony Tolliver but he gets to watch his preparation he needs he gets to watch how he goes through it the same thing with with a guy like uh Matt Barnes and then you look at uh you know other wing players Isaiah Cousins Malachi Richardson uh and, and even like Ben McLemore you know a lot of the defensive stuff that we've talked about is exactly the stuff that Matt does out there on the court. He's not going to give an inch. He's going to be uh, what I call offensively defense. 
He's not going to sit back. He's going to be aggressive. Things that I've talked about on air that I would like to see Ben do, but maybe no one instructed him. So not only is their journey going to be fantastic for these young guys, Ham, it's going to be to watch the process of how those, those veterans work every day is invaluable. You know, Doug, when was it that you took on a role as a defender? Because you didn't come into the league that way. That's not who most players are in college. But when was it that you decided that you were going to make a commitment and be a defensive force? Uh, I mean, again, you played defense about as well as you can play in modern basketball because of all the new rule changes. But I, I just remember watching you on Kobe Bryant, like three inches away from Kobe Bryant without touching him. So while the new rules don't allow physicality, uh, especially on the wings, uh, you were able to do it, be physical without actually touching someone, which is, which is a rare trait. Yes. Uh, you know, some of the rules helped to develop that type of a style, but I can remember, man, it was when I got traded to the Knicks and the Knicks were a defensive team, but, you know, sitting down with Pat Riley early, he he told me that I wasn't going to play and I needed to find something that was going to allow me to establish myself in the league. And then I was friends with Derek Harper and Anthony Mason and really good friends with Charles Oakley. And then I got a chance to sit on the end of the bench with Herb Williams and Herb was so, so helpful. It was, it was valuable to watch him. He was talking about John Starks. Watch how John is trying to guard Michael. Look at his footwork. Look where he's sending him. You see where Oak's at? Oak's already on the nail, Doug. And and this was going on, Ham. It kind of gives me chills as I talk about it, man, because it was going on the whole time. I'm sitting on the end of the bench. I'm sitting right beside Herb. As soon as it tipped off, that's what we would sit there and talk about. And that was in my ear the whole time. So by the time I left New York, I had learned how to use my athleticism and my quickness and and my range in a different way than I ever had. I only used it to slash to the basket and do different things. So by the time I got to Toronto, I was starting to formulate something for myself on the defensive end that was really, really valuable, not only to the Raptors, but by the time I got here to the Kings, now I had a a full package. I just needed like Kochi and Elston and Rick Adelman to teach me now, how do I use that package? Because uh, I had offense that I I added to the team when needed, but defensively is where we were most deficient at. So that's where I chose to help the most. I think I'm going to start a GoFundMe account and we're going to get earbuds for uh, Ben McLemore, Malachi Richardson, and all the Young Kings. So you can actually do that from wherever you're sitting in the stadium. You can just be a voice <laughs> in their ear the entire time explaining him what they're seeing and what they should be looking for and who should be where and how that should work. I, because I, I think it's invaluable and I know that they have assistant coaches there, but I, I really do believe a guy like Garrett Temple, if he's directed the right way, even as a veteran, he can do that. He can sit there and explain to somebody, this is, you know, this is how you play gritty defense. This is how you, sh- this is what you should be looking for at all times. This is where you lead a player. Cause again, it's not just man on man defense. You have to, you have to lead someone to the right spot where you have help and, and not let them go to where you don't. And if you don't know that as a young player, it's really, really hard to learn. So how do you how do you get someone to do that? I mean, will you go and, and talk to somebody uh, or have you talked to guys like Garrett Temple or Anthony Tolliver and say, hey, these guys could really use this because this really worked for me? No, I, you know, I haven't did that. The, the first time that uh, I had a chance to meet um Isaiah Cousins, I was just walking through the gym the very first day that I got there and he was talking with one of the coaches and they came over and introduced themselves and it just kind of went right there. You know, uh, it's like, Hey, how are you going to stay in the NBA? And I was like, look, do you got guys like DeMarcus and and guys who can score the ball here? How you're going to be able to stay is defensively. When the ball goes through the hoop, you should be standing right next to him. Like he's a date and we're going to, we're going to waltz down this court the whole way defensively is where, you know, in the, in the conversation just went there. Uh, you know, I've had a chance to talk to Scal a little bit, but not that in depth because you got to understand that a a lot of times, you know, I was lucky enough to have veterans like that who were selfless enough and comfortable enough with themselves to impart that knowledge to me, Ham, because not everybody is that way or not that they want to be selfish, but maybe they're just not open enough or want to talk enough or know enough 
and, and they're comfortable enough to sit on the bench and have a conversation about that because they might be watching for themselves because, hey, man, I'm getting ready to go in <laughs> and i got to <laughs> focus on what I, I need to do. You know, uh, Herb knew that he wasn't going to play that much, you know, unless Patrick was in some really foul trouble. But uh, more than anything, our team was focused around defense. So if I get, a, if I get the opportunity or, you know, Vladi brings me around and it's, it's just what I do because, you know, I'm – I train athletes, but that coaching thing is just in me. It just comes out as soon as I get there because I see it and I want to address it. <laughs> you have a passion for it. I, that's something. But you know what? You seem to be a guy who has a passion for a lot of things, which you know I think makes you well-rounded and uh, I think will make you a perfect compliment to Grant because you do have a passion for other things. And you know, the, I, I'm looking forward to this season because – uh, it's gonna. We'll be right in the action, getting to discuss this in pregame and postgame. Uh, I'm excited to see Cozumore back in Sacramento. Um, but yes. your role, I mean, you talked about being a coach. We've talked about this in the past, but your role is just morphing into you're this media maven all of a sudden. Uh, <laughs> do you love it? Is this something that that you see yourself in a long time? To- uh, you know, long term. Yeah, I mean, it, it is something that just kind of has, has come. And, you know, people have instructed me that, that I have a, a talent and the people are, are liking the, what I'm doing because that's the most important part. And uh, like you say, Ham, it's something that I have a passion for. I, I really love basketball. I love talking about it. But as I learned from Grant, I, I like all sports because sports, what are they, Grant? I mean, what are they, Ham? They're just body movement. It's a different ball or you add a racket or you add a golf club or you, it, all you're learning is mastery. And the one thing that inside of that is the competitive spirit that they all have. And that is what, that is what makes it special. So I can watch baseball like, uh, you, you know, I watched last night in, in, in looking at uh, the Dodgers and the Nats and they go into it and, and it comes down to the last inning and all these different things that happen inside of a game. And it is it's it's magnificent. I mean, basketball is my caveat, but talking about uh, whether it's, uh, you know, Thursday night football last night, incredible. And we were saying, is it going to be Denver? Or is it going to be the Chargers? And I'm saying, look, man, the Chargers, even though they're one and four, they've been in all the games and in now your coach is out in Denver and the quarterback binged up. And I said, I think San Diego's going to win. And they won. They made me look good. Sometimes I eat crow. Who knows? <laughs> all right, Doug, I know you wear so many hats uh, and so many jobs now. I don't want to keep you all day. Uh, but I-, I guess the last question, you've been around this team from the beginning of training camp. Uh, how long do you think this team is going to take to gel? Uh, and what do you think the potential is? I mean, you've seen how Jaeger can- has a – has a control of this team and and the talent and and sort of the group that they've pieced together. Uh, how long will it take for them to to learn this system? You played in a similar system with Adelman and number two. How good can this team be? You know, I, I think that that the forty one and forty one would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, I don't know if that's the ceiling, but if they got that, I would say, all right, good job because it's an it's an improvement from last year. The system part. You know, it, it just happens one day, but it takes it takes a coach and it takes a staff to when we warmed up ham. A lot of the times that's how we warmed up. We warmed up in corner where we're passing and cutting and passing and cutting and passing and cutting. So I'm learning how everyone likes it and where to pass it and all those things. And it turned into, you know, where we had a good time while we were doing it. And all of a sudden, you started to really see it formulate on the court. That's going to take time because human nature is, Ham, when things don't go well, usually people hit the default and you go back to that thing. And you're gonna, that's going to happen from time to time. So we can't get, you know, it's just how it is. It's when you, oh, we're down, I can do it. And then, the, the, you know, DeMarcus, and, and he'll have to learn that, look, uh, I can trust my teammates even more and they will come through for me, but where they're going to make their bread and butter. And I think that it's ultimately going to be decided on who this team is and how far they go. Isn't on the offensive side of the ball. It's going to be on the defensive side of the ball. Will they give the energy? Will they fly around the court on back to backs? Will they come out and give it? Will they, you know, communicate at a really high level on the court? And if they do that, you know, I, I don't really know what the ceiling is, but 41-41 is something that I, I think is probably attainable for this group. There we go. The incomparable Doug Christie. Thanks so much for dropping by, and we'll see you out there real soon because we got games coming up, Doug. 
You know it, big man. Have a good one. Go Kings. Welcome back to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me as always, Mr. Aaron Broski of hoop-ball.com. AB, what's going on? I'm not going to make the yodeling joke that we made in take one of this podcast. I'm just going to say hello. Or three. Or, <laughs> this is take four or five. So I'm just going to say hello. Hi. Hello. Uh, so, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Are you going to give them another bar of that? <laughs> Uh, no, because I, I can't decide if I'm going to do Adele or Lionel Richie. You know, there you go. That's what happens when you <laughs> sing the same song. <laughs> All righty. All righty. So we've had some technical difficulties here. I just want to get this out of the way. Thanks to Doug Crispy. Yeah. Doug Christie, not Crispy, uh, for coming on. We're, st- we're struggling here. The struggle is real, Aaron. It's real. Hey, that'd be a good nickname for him when he's on fire. That's right. All right. Uh, yeah, just thank you, Doug, for joining us. Always a wealth of knowledge. Such a good guy. And again, Aaron, I'm really excited to to hang out with Jim Jim Cozumore and him on set right inside the uh, – the beautiful Golden One Center, those big glass doors we have a set right inside. It's going to be awesome this year. So, uh, but let's get to it. We got basketball to talk about. We've got some uh, some drama that uh, I, it, you know what, we're not following people down that rabbit hole. We're going to touch on it, but we're not we're not going into the Vex rabbit hole. I'm just going to warn you, people. If you get upset about that, it is what it is. Uh, so let's start with basketball. Maccabi Haifa uh, earlier in the week at home at the Golden One Center, a uh, true test run for the building, followed by some uh, some Lakers action at the Thomas and Mack Center. Is there anything you took away from, from this week of basketball? You know, I didn't gather much out of the Maccabi Haifa game. Um, you know, the team is at a total disadvantage, so everybody's naturally going to look a lot better. The Lakers game, I wish that there was a different opponent because I'm tired of watching them play the Lakers. It's not telling us a whole lot with that young squad. Um, the way that they play on defense is probably a little bit more aggressive than a lot of teams. They've got their holes. Uh, the Kings had their way with them the other night, but I did get to see Rudy Gay looks like he's got uh, a lot of aggression right now. Like he's gunning to get traded. <laughs> um, he's uh, he's a little bit of a gunner, and I kind of like that for this Kings team because outside of Demarcus, you know, where are you going to get your consistent scoring from? And I think they're going to get it from a number of places, but they do have to have Rudy shooting, kind of at will. Now he's going to have to reel it in a little bit, and I don't know that he's capable of doing that. Shot selection has never been one of his best attributes, despite the fact that he's had a pretty efficient uh, game when he's been good for Sacramento. Um, Darren Collison did not stand in the corner and shoot threes. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins wasn't in, but I was watching to see if this offense had a feature where the ball goes into the high post and then Darren runs to the corner and stands a la Patrick Beverly. And we're not seeing that. So, uh, I want to see that against good competition and, um, you know, with him and DeMarcus on the floor at the same time, you saw Aaron Aflalo beating up Jose Calderon in the post which he needed to do. Um, well, I think you and I could beat up Jose Calderon in the, in the post. It, it, was, it, was, it was pretty brutal watching that. Um, poor Jose, because, I mean, he I don't know what Luke was doing there to him. But anyway, um, Willie Cauley-Stein looks a little bit lost, and his confidence looks a little bit low. And, you know, he does this now. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a thing for him where he comes out of the summer and it takes him a couple weeks or even a month to get the feel of the game back. And some people also pointed out that, you know, Willie hadn't uh, wasn't given the start and Scal was given the start. The start and Scal, you know, you see the 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 you see the foundation for some really good um, play, but he was getting beat up down there, getting put into jail uh, pretty consistently. And he'll learn how to not get put into jail, but his lack of playing time was really exposed, despite doing some other good things on the floor. So those were my initial takeaways, and uh, I'm just really looking forward to seeing them against another squad. Yeah, I think so too. First of all, the Lakers aren't any good at all. I mean, anyone who gave Timothy Mozgov that much money needs to be fired, like instantly. He's just he's just really not that good of a basketball player. I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, he's a, a perfectly decent like middle of the road reserve big man. Correct but, me if I'm wrong. He tried to to Blake Griffin. Well, you, it's called being Mozgov if Blake Griffin jumps up, pushes you away with his off arm, and then jams right on your head. 
Mozgov tried to do that to Tolliver. And Tolliver just sent him back to, yeah. (laughs) Tolliver was having none of it. And uh, I I don't know, maybe he's trying to get some revenge there. Yeah, I'm not quite sure why anyone would give him that much money. I mean, that's it's the biggest Jim McElvain move since Jim McElvain. And I, I just don't get it. It's one of those deals. That team... You know, I, they, if you let Lou Aldang play a bunch, they're going to be okay, or they, they might be able to win, you know, 18 to 23 games. But that is a bad team. And they're, I mean, they're young, but like any numbers that they have really are inflated numbers just because, you know, a guy like Julius Randle, he's putting up near double-double numbers. Well, there's no one else to rebound. And he's he's getting, you know, his 12 points a night off putbacks. It's not like you can count on that guy for anything more than just very limited offense. I, I mean, I'm just very, very down on that team. It's not because you know the Kings are a, a longtime rival of that uh, of the Lakers. I just, I just don't think they're any good. So, I mean, again, Ingram is going to be a nice player, but he's going to take a long time to develop. And so you're right, the Kings, but the Kings did walk in there with no Demarcus Cousins, no. Ty Lawson, no Matt Barnes, no Omri Caspi, uh, and, and then one other. Oh, no Garrett Temple. And I thought all of that was interesting because Jaeger gave he gave um, Jordan Farmar some burn, and of course he nail, nails a bunch of threes, and then people are like, wait a sec, that guy can really shoot. It's like, yeah, Jordan Farmar can hit a three, but he's not going to make the team. There's no way for him to make the team. So... I don't know. I guess the only takeaways I had from that is number one, Anthony Tolliver is cementing himself in the rotation where we kept thinking he wasn't going to be. Jaeger talked about sort of he he's got three players who are duplicate pieces in Tolliver and Barnes and Caspi, and that's not a good thing for Omri Caspi. Uh, you know, Caspi's had a hip issue, and then he he got a little. Uh, a little flu bug or something last couple of days and to not have him in there and to kind of lose lose any advantage he had you know coming back and being an incumbent I mean you're up against Tolliver who was brought in by the assistant GM because he loves him and you're up against Matt Barnes who you know Jaeger coached last year and if he's putting you in the same boat as those guys and and your main competition comes out and goes seven to seven from three. I, I just I don't know what that means, and so I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that that specific issue? Those three players, and because two of them are gonna play, it's not a one guy thing. I, I think two of them are gonna play, but one of them is gonna have a tough time. Yeah, I'm not gonna look into the seven to seven from three point land. That stuff all evens it out evens out over time. I, I think that Caspi is in a pretty tough spot here because his strength is playing on the move, playing within kind of not a chaotic environment, but a scrambled environment. That's where he really excels. And a lot of what you're going to see out of the offense is going to be more methodical and that's going to be harder for him. So he's going to have a harder time producing and then he's going to have to pick it up in some other area of his game. And so, you know, defensively rebounding, kind of maybe get back to the the old style that he used to play, you know, where it was really relying on a lot of rebounding and toughness. Um, But if he doesn't, or he's incapable of doing that for whatever reason, then yeah, he could very well be on the outside looking in. There could be a backup rotation where they go strictly based on matchups. And I don't think anybody likes that. And, you know, as long as the team's winning, I think those guys will be fine with it. I don't think Tolliver is going to be, you know, unhappy with sitting the bench every once in a while per se, because he's been able to, you know, survived that in his career. And, and it hasn't really been a big deal for him. He's never been vocal about not playing. Um, so if you get guys that, you know, one matches up with versus the other, so a more uh, smaller lineup, I think you'll see Caspi. A larger lineup, I think you'll see Tolliver. A lot of it depends on Willie Cauley-Stein's minutes and how many minutes he's getting. Um, you know, he has looked pretty tentative out there. And that's, um, you know, I think that's to be expected now with the way that we've seen Willie Cauley Stein start his seasons off, or at least this last season off. I'm not surprised that he started off tentative. Um, He's going to have to gain his aggression back and get comfortable. And I think he'll do that over time. But if he's, if he's coming out playing 15 minutes a game to start, then I think you might see those guys play regular minutes. But if Willie Cauley Stein's playing 25, 30 minutes to start, then I definitely don't think you're going to see all three of those guys in the rotation. 
Yeah, and it's kind of a bummer because Omri is is the free agent of the group. Matt Barnes has a player option for next season at six plus million, and Tolliver has a t- uh, has a team option at either eight million or they can buy him out for two million. But there's a good chance here that that they're going to be fighting for minutes all season long. Now, I like Caspi in this in this offense because I do believe that he's a really really nice slasher. He, he slashes with conviction, uh, and I'm talking about moving without the ball. And so I think he can get some nice cuts and easy baskets. And then I, you know, he is a really good three point shooter. And then on occasion, he can get out and run because this team is going to run. But man, he's uh, missing time is, is a bad deal for him. Hopefully, he's able to recover with the, the game at Rupp Arena on Saturday. And then again, they have, what do they have? The Clippers on Tuesday. So he's got a little bit of time here to kind of cement his spot back in the rotation. But I've, I've talked to these guys, and none of them are concerned. They all think they're going to play. And Jaeger even said, you know, there is that old Hubie Brown school of thought where you just play everybody 18 to 24 minutes a game. And, you know, I, I, I went back and looked, and I think it's the 02-03 Memphis Grizzlies where they had 10 guys who played 19.6 minutes or more. And and that's crazy talk, but it keeps you fresh, number one, and it also keeps everyone fully engaged. Uh, but we keep talking about this, Aaron. You know, the 15 roster spots, and they've got a lot of players that are going to play or that you would think would play, and guys like Macklemore are, are fighting their way into the rotation and, and that throws a monkey wrench. Guys like Kufis are are they're right in the rotation, and so I don't know how this is going to play out once the season starts. But we're getting so close that it does look like you know there are going to be some winners and losers coming out of camp. And uh, you know, again, Garrett Temple has had a nice he's had some nice games, but where does he fit? Is he your backup three? And you know, Macklemore. Uh, easily we talked about it last week whether or not you should trade him uh, you could easily not have Macklemore on this team just as far as pure roster spots and it would clear up some room for guys the guys we're talking about so I don't know what they're going to do barring a, a late trade here but it, it's going to get a little dicey yeah I think you've got eight games if you're Sacramento to try to trade some of this excess depth You've got three pieces in Rudy Gay, Ben McElmore, and uh, Costa Kufos. And the minutes thing, I mean, I don't think that I don't think that works at all. The 18 minutes per game, you know, 19 minutes per game, or however, however you want to characterize it, I don't think players appreciate it. I, I definitely know players do not like you messing with their minutes as far as, like, not knowing if they're going to play on a given night or anything having to do with that. Now, I don't think that's Jaeger's style to leave them lying in the lurch, not knowing – what's going to happen from night to night. I think he would probably let them know in advance what to expect as, a, as far as like a go forward. Um, but players just hate that stuff. And I don't think it's going to work not here in Sacramento. And I don't think it works around the NBA. So I think the Kings have eight games, you know, two to three weeks. I think the Bucks are in the same, in a similar position. I think the Hornets are in a similar position I think that these teams need to figure out what kind of math needs to take place to make some kind of a move happen and, um, you know, do it because once you get past those eight games and Darren Carlson comes back, it's not going to be easy finding a Ben McElmore minute. So then if you put Ben McElmore out of the rotation, I'll say this based on how Ben McElmore has played in the preseason. I don't think he has looked really all that good. I think that he's, Still lost on defense. I think his aggression in in taking shots is not the same as making the right basketball play. He's aggressive in taking shots, but he's not making the right basketball plays. So if he, I don't think Jaeger, if he continues to play like that, I don't think Jaeger's going to bend over backwards to get him minutes. And when Darren Carlson comes back, he could easily find himself out of the rotation because I think that you're not going to want to take Garrett Temple off the court. Um you're not so going to want to take a Flalo off the court. You're going to want to exactly. test this uh, Ty Lawson, Darren Collison backcourt, the speed backcourt that we saw, uh, and against against the Warriors for was was it the Warriors? I think it was the Warriors. We saw that speed lineup and it was like, oh wait a sec, uh, maybe that was against Maccabi. Uh, 
I think you you basically you go to Ben, you go to Rudy, and you say, "Hey guys, green light. You know, tip them off. Let them know. Let let the teammates know. Let you know we're gonna go to Rudy and Ben. It, it doesn't have to be a spoken thing. You know, you just kind of build it into the game plan and let those guys get out there and have a couple big nights in that first eight games. You know, if Rudy Gay goes for thirty in the first week, you know that'll perk up some ears around the league. Um, you know, if Ben has a twenty point game. You know, I think that that some of these people that are sitting the fence might say, okay, you know what? Maybe there's something in this kid. And now you're talking. I think everybody knows what they're going to get out of Costa Cufos. He doesn't need to have any sort of ball game out there to to really excite anybody that's out there looking at him. But those three showcase these guys and then consolidate that depth. You know, whatever you get in return is great. You know, it's a future asset or it's somebody that can play right now. But when Darren Collison comes back, those minutes are going to be a problem, and I don't think guys are going to take it that well. Yeah, I and I'm like doing the math in my head. I got them at 12 players that you would think are going to play, and that's just not going to happen. So two of those guys are are out of it, and one more of those guys is going to play limited minutes. He'll really play with nine with somebody filling in like 15 minutes, 12 to 15 minutes a game. Now, that could be Costa starting the game and playing, you know, 12 to 15 minutes total, uh, starting the first half, starting the second half, and then seeing how the other team adjusts and, and then making your adjustments on the fly, whether you need someone like Barnes, who's a, you know, multi-tool player, or so whether you need a, a three-point specialist to spread the defense in Tolliver, or whether you need some speed in, in Caspi. I think you're going to see that power forward position switch out relatively quick. And then I really do believe that Colley Stein is going to pick up whatever minutes that DeMarcus isn't playing. And then he's going to have to build from there. So I, this is, it's a bit of an issue. It's a big of a, a bit of a long log jam and it's not going to, I mean, once the, the ball tips off on opening night, I think there are 11 guys who think that they're playing and then when Collison's back, that puts you at 12. And it's just not, it's not going to happen. So the Kings are going to have some issues there. Jaeger's going to have to make some tough calls. He does know that these guys are all pros. And, you know, especially you look at some of these guys they brought in, the high character guys like Tolliver. Tolliver talked about it like, look, the reason he came to Sacramento is because he knew they needed to stretch four. And, like, he had a, a standing offer to go back to Detroit, but it was with the understanding he probably wasn't going to play. He was probably going to be a locker room guy that played very minimal minutes. And he said, look, I, I still have a couple of years left in my legs and I think I should keep playing. And that's why he came to Sacramento. Now, these other guys, again, Matt Barnes, maybe you save Barnes until, you know, play him sparingly early in the season, but save him until midseason to really start pushing and, and get him in basketball shape in case you have a late run. But uh, overall, I think it's going to be it's going to be a bit of an issue. So and, you're going to have a hard time taking Barnes off the floor when when Barnes's yeah. pugnaciousness kicks in and sets a tone for the team. I, I don't think he's going to want to take him off the floor. I don't think he's going to want to either. And that's again, it, it doesn't bode well for Caspi, or it doesn't bode well for Tolliver. It certainly doesn't bode well for Ben McLemore or the value of Ben McLemore, especially when you have Temple who can play the one, the two, the three. And, and so it's going to get, it's going to get a little hairy. Uh, all right. So the players are, are staying out of the muck. We've had a, a pretty good preseason as far as, you know, injuries. You got some little bumps and bruises here and there. Uh, Ty Lawson looks like he's gained most of his speed back. He looks really fast. Uh, that was a concern coming into camp. Again, hasn't had any issues. He's fitting right in with everyone. It's really, you know, Kumbaya still around the Kings. Uh, there is no infighting, and and the only thing I think that will become an issue is is this talk of of playing time and all that that we've already discussed. Uh, Jaeger says repeatedly, "Hey, it's going to be a Monday morning quarterback thing. You guys are going to always be questioning me why I didn't play this guy or why I didn't play that guy." Again, I, that's not me. I don't typically do that type of thing. I, you, you know, as long as the coach is consistent with the message that he gives his players and the message that he's telling us. And he doesn't tell us that, you know, Seth Curry is his best defensive player and then sit him for six straight games. <laughs> then I, I think we're going to be okay. Right. 
because I, I do know that it, it's a feel thing. And if he knows his players better than I do, you know, I, I'm going to let him have his, his full run and, and let him, you know, make his, make his bed. I don't have a win loss record. He does. And he's trying to win. And I can't question if he thinks someone is going to help him win because I don't think you put in a 36 year old guy because you're trying to, you know, develop him. You're putting just, him in because you want him to win because you want to win. Yeah. I'll just say this, it, you know, I, I follow a ton of Memphis Twitter out there and I also cover the Grizzlies quite closely. And it was rare to see them complaining about Jaeger or his rotations and every fan base does it to a certain degree. And, and every now and then it's warranted, but he would be like on the bottom of the list of teams or coaches where you go, okay, there's some rotation decision problems. So I don't think you're going to see a lot of that stuff out of him. Um, so that's, that's a refreshing change in Sacramento. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's get to re refreshing changes in Sacramento. Uh, <laughs> nice yeah. Okay. So look, we're not, again, I, I already said it. We're not going to follow Vivek down the rabbit hole. Um, but I am going to say what I know. Uh, I, I did write on the, the Vivek statement about Jeff Petrie and Keith Smart not wanting to be there and Jeff Petrie's response. Um, look, I was there every day and it was the most awkward, awkward time ever. You knew that a lot of the guys were getting let go. Uh, but I've also said this so many times on this podcast or the extension of this podcast, the pre-CSN uh, Kings Insider podcast, about how good of a man Keith Smart is. And, and you know, whether he was a great coach, uh, you know, that's he still has some proving to do there if he gets another shot at being a head coach. But as far as being a good worker and wanting to come in and do his best. I just, people should know right up front, Keith Smart wanted nothing more than to keep coaching this team. And he wanted an opportunity to show what he could do. And he didn't run out any door as soon as the season ended. And so I, I don't think uh, that Vivek, his characterization of that, it wasn't, it wasn't accurate. But I also don't think that that was really his point. His point was, look, I had to hire people on the fly because I we had a draft coming up. We had all these things coming up. He just got a little loose with his terminology about those guys not wanting to be there, about the ceiling falling down. The, the roof wasn't falling down in Sleep Train, unless you want to count like the insulation batting that's been hanging slightly for the last 5, 10 years that they still didn't touch. You know, there wasn't anything like that really happening. But the I'll just tell people this, that the fact that Jeff Petrie, who is so stoic and never wanted to talk to the media at all, the fact that he went on a media round, it shows you that he really, really wanted to set the record straight for his people because that's who he is. And I've talked to plenty of people that worked for him and all of them said if Jeff would have gone anywhere, they would have all followed that that they think he is the most loyal generous always took care of his employees that's who he is and he worked all the way up until the until the time they hired Pete D'Alessandro he handed all the information off for the draft and he let Pete run his thing and he got out of the way because he knew that it was better that way but it was also with the hope that some of his people would be retained they weren't retained uh, it, it wasn't friendly. It, and, and again, that's not even really on Vivek as much as it is on the people that he brought in who made decisions about who was going to be employed in the basketball ops side and who wasn't. And so I, I just, there are a lot of things that, that Vivek said in that article, and I'm not going to go through them. I'm not, because a, so much of that is such distant, distant past, you know, information that if you want to go back and research, you can see what's true and what's not. There's no questions about what's true and what's not. But uh, because Jeff decided to come out, I do think we should cover that. And and again, I believe that Jeff is an honorable man. That's how I knew him. And uh, that's how I remember him from the years that I covered him. He had his idiosyncrasies. Uh, he was odd at times. 
and could be slightly awkward with the media. Uh, but you know, I miss his linen suits and his, and his suede brown shoes that he wore on draft night every year. He, he was a good guy. And not only that, a good leader for his people. And that's all he was doing is trying to protect his people. The memory of his people, that were let go and really he thought was a disservice and I don't blame him for stepping forward. Yeah. You know, and he's, he's got a little bit of the dude thing going, you know, when he, he was at sleep train, yeah. it was like, I was, <laughs> I, I was like, man, I've never seen anybody pull off the dude quite like this guy. Yeah, get him a white uh, Russian. <laughs> <laughs> seriously. Uh, yeah. You know, initial thoughts when I heard Vivek, I was, I obviously wasn't there, so I don't know the tonality or anything, but I was hearing these words and, and kind of thinking of how Vivek would say them and thinking, you know what, he really just got his kind of story messed up the way that he was explaining it. I don't think that I don't think that was the intent of what he was I don't know what his intent was, but I don't think that was the intent of what he was going for there. I think he was trying to basically say, Look, you know, this is really tough and I brought some people in and kind of relied on them. And then where it goes south is that, you know, I think when you're in charge of anything, you've got to take um, responsibility for it. And yeah. so that that part didn't come through in the interview. And maybe that's just a mistake on his part. You know, who knows why, why that didn't come through. But, you know, I think Jeff is is definitely going to bat for a lot of people that um, worked really hard to try to keep the team in Sacramento. And when the new regime came in, it was as big of a dumpster fire as, as I've seen in pro sports. And, and they really just did a lot of stuff. And, you know, the way that this team has been character, I think the frustration for Vivek, a lot of it comes back to the way that this team has been characterized in the press. And, there's one person that went out there and, and really just destroyed this team in the press that we've covered that ad nausea. And uh, I think that that's, um, you know, some of the, the pushback that you get from Vivek is, is related to the way that the team has been characterized. And, you know, when, when you try to, you know, if you're Jeff Petrie and you see this get put out there and these guys, especially the ones that work really hard to keep the team and the, they all acted so professionally in the transfer of the team. You know, to see it be characterized as, you know, nobody wanted to be there. That's where he drew a line in the sand. And I think he's, uh, you know, he's upset about that specifically. And he's out there doing his thing. So, um, you know, maybe something positive can come out of it. And, you know, the organization can kind of put finally to bed the uh, the stories of the past and just focus on the product on the floor. And, uh, you know, this brand new beginning, this new arena and this new, you know, new coach, new team. You know, hopefully you guys can throw together 40 plus wins so I can look good and uh, just turn the page on all that. And, and you're right, Aaron, I, I think there's so much positivity around the team and I know people always get pissed like, Oh, why do you keep bringing up the arena and all that stuff? You know what? Because that is the vibe around the team. That is what everyone, this team may or may not be very good they we don't know we're gonna have to watch it play out i think they're gonna be gritty i think they're gonna represent well i think they're going to fight and and be a competitive team whether that translates to 40 wins or or 33 wins or 47 wins again i i keep when people ask me for my you know what are they gonna win i say 40 41 but i want like a plus minus of seven because because I don't know. This is the most this is the strangest team and I think they do have a lot of talent and while they don't have like oh my gosh Golden State Warriors ta- talent, they do have a lot of NBA veteran talent that can actually if they come together the right way can actually play really solid basketball and sneak out wins in different ways and so I'm not going to put this team to bed early. Uh, but I, I do think that they have they have just this wild. If they can keep the distractions, then they can move up from forty. If they can keep the distractions away, if the distractions come back in like they do almost every year, then we're going to see that number uh, scurry down a little bit, fade a little bit. And so we're going to have to we're going to have to see where it goes. And you know, again, uh, let's we should be focusing on basketball, the basketball at hand and the positive things that are coming for Sacramento opening night coming. 
Um, just way too much positives to get dragged down into really these these things that, that really shouldn't matter. I mean, history is history. You, you don't need to bring it back up. That was, the, I think, the timing of this because everybody's so ready to turn the page. I think in the fan base and even in the media, you know, it's, it was the step backwards and, and that made it probably worse than it should have been. But yeah. you look also at the, the way that the team has handled everything. They're, they're not anywhere close to this stuff. They are removed. I think Jaeger's removed from this. They're in that new arena, so they're kind of getting that new car smell and wrapping themselves in it and feeling good about it. And so they don't deal with that reality. This, this kind of media, oh, my God, look at what happened in Sacramento this time. I don't think they're dealing with that. And in the betting markets, what we look for is overreactions. And I think when you look at the, the tone and tenor around the discussions surrounding the Kings, you would feel like they're a 20-win team. And when you look at the roster and you look at Jaeger and you look at the team and the vibe and, and just kind of everything that's gone down with it, yeah, there's cracks. Yeah, there's ways that this could go south, but it definitely doesn't feel like a 20-win team. And 30 wins, yeah, I could see why you might want to say that, but the talent itself is much greater than that. So uh, I think we have a prediction at some point, maybe, what, next week or something? Yeah, we'll but probably wait until next week. I'll, I'll wait to put my final number out there, but it's going to be big. Massive. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what you're what you're thinking there, but good luck with that, Aaron Bruski. Good luck with your giant prediction. All right, do you have go any... go big or go home. <laughs> do you have any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, just uh, I want to see what Darren Collison's role is in this offense because I think that that's going to really um, you know dictate how much DeMarcus Cousins we see. I want to see what they're doing with him on the low post. I want to see what Scal can do, if he can be a part of this offense at all. Um, I, I probably have more than more than that, but those are kind of the big things that I've been looking at and uh, trying to figure out with this team. All right, uh, let's see. Final thoughts. I'm going to go to Maroon 5 on Saturday night. That should be fun. Get to test out the new arena with a different type of concert. So I will share that with you folks when I, when I kind of, get the feel for what uh, uh, you know a live really all over the place you know show uh, different than Paul McCartney for sure um, so that's gonna be fun and we've got basketball coming up uh, we at CSN we have a preview show coming up very soon uh, we will also have the 18th the game will be televised on CSN so expect that I think that is Tuesday the Clippers. And then we jump right into the regular season. Uh, Phoenix on the 26th in Phoenix at, uh, I don't even want to say what their stadium name is. It's just so long and drawn out. Walking Stick, Talking Stick, Resort Arena, whatever it is. And uh, and then the 27th is the night uh, that so many people are looking forward to. It is the first official regular season game in the Golden One Center uh, against the San Antonio Spurs, lo and behold, you get a, a decent a decent uh, little battle to go at it. Uh, you know, something probably that they wish the schedule makers would have been slightly more kind. Uh, and then I think they come back from Minnesota and then go on the road for five. So got boom, 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 boom. Basketball's coming. It's almost here. Um, so again, for Aaron Bruski, I am James Ham. Thank you to Doug Christie for dropping by. Uh, thank you for tuning in for the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. We'll see you next week.